Anyway, you are listening to Dream Infringement. That's right. Dream Infringement is a super squad of three enemies that hate each other and plot every time they're alone in their bathrooms to find different ways to torture each other and get on each other's nerves. You're joined tonight by super enemy Jennifer, the Annihilator Woodside, Bobby, the extraordinary accordion worker, Honor. I repair who's accordions. Awful. She's also evil. <laughs> who's also evil. And Emily, the deliciously wicked, momentarily <laughs> focused on evil things from time to time, Castillo. Jennifer's evil name was definitely the most catchy. Yeah, I did I didn't really know where to go after that. However, you probably noticed that Emily and I have the same last name. That's not just a coincidence. No way, Jose. I think you mean no thanks, Tom Hanks. No thanks, Tom Hanks. It's not a coincidence. The fact is is we were such great enemies that we fell in love and we got married. And now we're a couple of super enemies super a super couple it's so crazy it it just just worked it does so that's our show basically what we do is uh we talk and we play music and we pick a weekly theme okay and so i'm gonna give you a little bit i'm gonna create a little bit of an audible odyssey for you as we slowly but surely introduce this week's theme. I think that introducing the theme every week should be done in a slow, groaning, grueling, egocentric way. So I'm going to do that. Emily, are you ready for this? Yep. Okay, tell me what these things have in common. Okay. Dan Aykroyd, mm-hmm. star of Ghostbusters. Okay. Mm-hmm. Jennifer Lopez and A-Rod breaking up. Okay. Okay. Here's another one. Will Smith. Mm-hmm. Okay. Starring in another Bad Boys. Okay. Along with Martin Lawrence. All right. Is Martin Lawrence part of this too? Is he, he is the Martin Lawrence. Okay, is okay. it part of it? He's not the fourth. I'm counting on my fingers. So He's I... part of the third. Oh, okay. okay he no. doesn't get his own finger. Here okay. is the fourth. Here is All the right. fourth. All right. Fourth. Okay. The fourth is Family Matters. Mm-hmm. Favorite character, beloved character in this country mm-hmm. in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Steve Urkel played by Jalil White. Okay. What do all these these things have in common? Well, they're all people I've never met. That's true. That's true. But something even more more viscerally uh They're all a part of the Illuminati. Nope. It, 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 that's not it. I'm sorry, Emily. Well, maybe. I mean, no one really knows who the Illuminati members are. Okay. They all are part of a fantastic beast by the name of 
pop culture. What? Okay, you're right. Yeah. You're right. Yeah, so they all share the stage with many other people and music and and movies and moments in history that have to do with pop culture. Mm-hmm. Okay? These things matter. And you something that I just recently discovered, Emily, is there's some people who don't care about pop culture. <laughs> really? Yes, they just do not care. And but why should they? In what way? And what why should they care about pop culture? Are they entertained by television or music or books or movies? That is my point. If you have lived in on this beautiful planet that we have come to know and love and call planet Earth, if you have lived on this planet at least for the last 200 years, I mean, if you're over 200 years and you say, I hate pop culture, I'd be like, that's okay. Don't worry to each his own. That's fine. You don't have to love it. But if you are under 200 years old, then pop culture has affected you and has touched your life in some shape or form. Totally. And it's touched our lives. Oh, yeah. So here is where we come to this week's theme. It is called Dream Infringement Presents... Pop culture. We made it. We've arrived, everyone. I hope you all feel good. I hope you're satisfied. And I hope you're also, in a greater sense, not satisfied and thirsty for more. Because we're about to give you more. Is that right, Emily? Indeed, it is. We have some pieces and some discussions that we've put together for your ears. From our hearts to your ears. So buckle up. Fasten your seatbelt. Tighten that fanny pack. It's going to be a bumpy ride. <laughs> I think that's a pop culture reference. What is that from? I'm not sure. Is that from Speed? <laughs> I don't know. Dark Cruise Lawyers. <laughs> All right. Yeah, do we have a song we're going to start with? Yeah, let's, so let's, let's introduce mm-hmm. a song. And that song is... By the name of Video Killed the Radio Star. But it's not by the Buggles. Is it the Buggles? <laughs> Are there two Gs? Yeah. Okay, it's not yeah, by the Buggles. That, it's, it doesn't it matter how, if I'm pronouncing it right or not. As long as I pronounce the actual artist that is covering this song. And the actual artist is Ben Folds 5. So here is Video Killed the Radio Star by Ben Folds 5. So, Bobby, earlier you mentioned that some people don't like to talk about pop culture. They've said they don't like it. Yes, they are uh, They are a very unique um, group of people. Well, to that I say, how would we be humans if not for pop culture? Like, humanity and pop culture are synonymous. You're preaching to the choir, babe. And I think what we need to do is delve a little deeper into the history of pop culture. Yes. So let's let's do that. Okay, let me put my scuba gear on. All right. And all set. Okay. 
So back in the day. Like you're talking about like uh, 1994? <laughs> A little back further than that. 1979? Um, basically, so I guess you could say it all started back when people were painting in caves. Oh, yes. Painting in caves. Right. That era. Um, so like cave paintings, decorated pottery, usually we consider those as folk art or folkways. Um, and so pop culture, by definition, needs, it requires like the masses to be engaged in practicing it and consuming it and making it popular. So cave painting was not trending. I mean, in a, in small groups, I suppose. Yeah. So it was like a, it, I feel like it was the front runner of pop culture. It was like the, it was like the echo before the final, like, right breakout. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of pop culture. Exactly. Okay. Um, and then we see more um, significant things happening in popular pop culture or popular culture. It's also called mm-hmm. that. But... If you want to call it pop, if you're one of those the, if you're one of those like pop culture lovers that say popular culture, then that's yeah. that's your cup of tea. So you would see um, pop culture starting to develop to develop surrounding wedding ceremonies. Mm. Um, and then during the Renaissance, composers would start to put their notes to paper. And then that made the opportunity available for people to share this music beyond just a small group of people once you put those notes on paper and you send it out into the universe Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. suddenly more people can play these songs yeah yeah so the song that they that generally has been expected to be played at weddings that song is it it's like here comes the bride all dressed in white yeah that, she's the bride and you know it all too i believe it used to be a funeral dirge really yeah i'd oh. have to i i'll have to fact check that and i will have to look up what dirge means because <laughs> it sounds gross anyways so so back to music for the first time you could play a piece of music that you had never heard before mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you could be like i know those notes i'm gonna play them I just heard this song. Yeah. And then fashion uh, took more... It it started to become um, more about, you know, aesthetics than functionality, really. And then it represented, like, societal changes and what class, you know, class distinctions. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I heard about this, like, Queen Elizabeth, if she accidentally like got pudding on her chin suddenly everybody wanted to like look yeah. just like her and we're putting pudding on their chin exactly yeah. and then you're like hey cousin francis why are you, why do you have pudding on your chin and she's like that's what the queen does and now you're like i guess i'm gonna do that too yes get where's the pudding I have pudding yeah i could do that um so then we come down to like the first superstar of pop culture wait for it william shakespeare mr bill shakespeare (laughs) the one and only Uh. 
Or more than one. There I might be a Bill yes. Shakespeare out there. If there you is. If you are Bill Shakespeare, contact us through Instagram or Facebook. Just type in Dream Infringement. Send us, slide into our DMs. We want to hear from you, Bill Shakespeare. So he wrote plays. They're not just timeless classics, but they he wrote them for a mass audience. He wasn't just writing for a specific group of people. He was writing these plays for everybody. So he was able to bridge that gap between popular and fine art in 16th century England. So she so he wasn't just writing it for like Mrs. Fancy Pants Penny Bottoms. Right. He was writing it for uh Mr. Barrel Cleaner Bill. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, everybody everybody had a shot to get to know Bill Shakespeare's stuff. Right. And some of his plays were set in other places in Europe, which exposed common Englishmen to wedding and courtship traditions of different classes and cultures. And it even influenced, I mean, it had an in, a great influence on yeah. people. Where else would they have been exposed to those things? Nowhere else. Yeah. Nowhere else. So I thought that was interesting. I think that it's also interesting that we have the Shakespeare Festival here in Ashland. Uh, yes, our our great town of Ashland has its very own Shakespeare Festival where That's people right. can see Shakespeare's classic plays portrayed in the modern era by modern actors. But it was funny to me because now I feel personally that the Shakespeare festivals and plays are definitely um <laughs> marketed towards a certain type of person yeah no those tickets aren't cheap that is correct so you gotta have you know you have to have money yeah which was interesting to me because in shakespeare's day he was like i want everyone to see these so things have kind of gone full circle and maybe not the best way that's true. In some ways. Who knows? Maybe. Maybe. So Food for thought. Yes. And so we have laid the foundation of what pop culture has started as. It's humble beginnings. Right. And, and now we know that what makes something pop culture... Pop culture-y. Is it being popular within the culture mm -hmm. so it was cool to go to a shakespeare play mm -hmm. and then afterwards you have a cousin who's like acting funny and maybe having a hard time sleeping insomnia and is just complaining to no end about how he can't sleep well and you might say don't be such a hamlet okay <laughs> And, and, and everybody knows what's going on. You know, everyone knows. Yeah. Everybody from Mrs. Fancy Pants Penny Bottoms to Barrel Cleaner Bill. They all know it. They all know that reference. Right. It's a beautiful thing. And without William Shakespeare, superstar, we wouldn't have the 1989 hit by Michael Penn called No Myth. 
So let's listen to that song now, shall we? Yes. We're doing on the evening of Friday, October 30th, 1987. I do. I was watching TV when I glimpsed something magical. It was towards the end of a show I'd never seen before, and it showed a woman in a mask and a beautiful dress, and a tall, formidable, beast-like man. Beauty and the Beast became the only thing that mattered. Friday I would wake up, and that was the day. All day at school I would think about it just waiting. As a girl who faced a lot of bullies and read constantly and longed for something a little magical in the world, this show made me feel deeply understood. I wanted a strong bond with a guardian protector who could sense when I was in trouble and save me, who would swoop in with rage and fury and strike my attackers down. Who had also read all the classics and would read poetry to me and talk in verse that was soft-spoken and intellectual. I wanted to be able to go into a strange but friendly world that was hidden away from normal society, with odd characters and people who communicated by tapping in Morse code on the pipes. I tried to learn Morse code to see if they were tapping actual words, but I was never adept enough at it. I remember one time in a magazine seeing the actor who played the Beast without all his makeup, and as much a romantic figure as Vincent cut, Ron Perlman is an odd-looking fellow, not the visage that would appeal to an 11 to 13-year-old girl. I remember wishing I didn't know the truth behind the fantasy. Around the same point, Linda Hamilton decided she no longer wanted to play the lead as Catherine, and they killed her character off, and the plot lines twisted and no longer had that same magical feel to it, and it ended up going off air. So I never had a fiery savior. I had to learn to save myself, find magic around me instead of in a hidden other world. Poetic verse changed to humor and sarcasm as a way to deal with the world. It's a childhood memory that will always be tinged with kind of a golden glow because for a moment I was able to escape and feel like understood and feel hope that things might get better. So this is Bobby here, and I am a man who loves pop culture. I've always cared about it. It's always meant something very meaningful to me. Um, and the reason for that is because I have always loved television. I grew up in the 90s, and I don't think that my parents really neglected me. Um, <laughs> And that is the reason why I love television. I just have always gravitated to TV. 
I always have been aware of what's on TV, what I like on TV, what I don't like on TV. And um, that's just always been important to me. And the one thing that I feel has been the greatest influence, one of the, the, the biggest influences um, in making me who I am has everything to do with television. And that particular thing is a little show called The Simpsons. It's the longest running cartoon on television. Um, it basically started like around the time that I was brought into this world. Um, so I've never known a world without The Simpsons. And I have this theory, Emily. Mm-hmm. Are, you lis- are you listening right I'm now? I'm listening. Okay. So I have this theory, and you can tell me what you think about this. This theory is that everything begins and ends with The Simpsons. I hear ya. Okay, okay. I'm already on board. Okay, I was really... convinced me already. I was hoping that you wouldn't think I was a lunatic and divorce me. (laughs) That was... I knew this could have gone one of two ways. So... It's true you've never professed your love for The Simpsons before this day. I don't know how that happened. (laughs) how How I've gotten away with this. We yeah, that's that was a joke. Oh yeah, I know. Bobby uh, loves The Simpsons. I do. Yeah, I talk about it all the time. Um, but simply put, The Simpsons has has gone places that, as a kid, I was unable to go um, because I couldn't at that at the age of at the ripe age of seven years old. Um, and gra- I'm grateful for this. Was not introduced to the to the movie The Shining. However, The Simpsons in a Treehouse of Horror episode, which is one of their, you know, Halloween specials that they generally will do, they they covered, they did like a spoof, a satire on um, The Shining. And um, it was scary but funny. Um, And so these were things, these were like pop culture references like based on pop culture that I honestly had no idea existed until The Simpsons, you know, decided to make a joke about it. They also did, uh, they, they did a, uh, a short, um, episode, a short part of a, um, an episode about Edgar Allan Poe's The Raven, which their classic literature, um, they, there was the episode where Bart Simpson uh, pretended to fall. He faked falling down the a well, and then they brought Sting in, and he sang like this song, "Sending Our Love Down the Well" with a bunch of other like Springfield quote unquote celebrities, um, which harkens back to times when musicians have all gotten together to sing songs for causes. Um, so, like, before I was aware of what was going on in the world, The Simpsons uh, created this, like, mini-universe that was this, like, uh, cartoonish version of the real world. And um, and I've always been grateful for that. Uh, and so everything starts and ends with The Simpsons. And I will show you how. And this is a little bit of a glimpse into how my mind works with pop culture. It's just how it's always like working and making connections. So maybe you've heard of Greg Daniels. He is 
was is and is one of the writers for like early Simpsons seasons. He also is a writer for SNL. He's a writer for the head writer for King of the Hill and also head writer for a show that a lot of people really love, including people who were born like after The Office aired, uh, the show called The Office. Um, a casting director for The Office was Allison Jones. She's the magic behind the cast um, of another well-known awesome show called Freaks and Geeks in which Paul Fagg is the writer and director, and he also co-wrote and played in the good-natured camp... He played the good-natured camp counselor named Tim in the 1995 hit film. You may remember this if you grew up in the 90s. Heavyweights, which also starred the villain, Ben Stiller, who played Mr. Furious, the good guy, in Mystery Men, alongside Paul Rubens, who you might remember is the creator of a little-known show called Pee-wee's Playhouse. And the show's intro, the intro for Pee-wee's Playhouse, was a collaboration between Mark Mothersbaugh and an up-and-coming young director by the name of Tim Burton. Maybe you've heard of him. Now, Mark Mothersbaugh, also known for being the lead singer of Devo, guest-voiced in an episode of Futurama called The Mutants Are Revolting, and created the music for a cartoon from the 90s called Rugrats. On Rugrats, we find a certain red-headed toddler by the name of Chucky that is voiced by Nancy Cartwright, Chucky from Rugrats, who also voices television's bad boy for 32-plus years, Bart Simpson. And we're back at The Simpsons. So... That may have been a little bit long and meandering, and you may have checked out already. But these are important things. These are things to know, and maybe you have your own pop culture connections that you enjoy going through mentally in your mind while you are working like me. Um, but I think that pop culture kind of helps us to know like where we are in the world. And there's times where pop culture is kind of embarrassing. There's times when pop culture is impressive. It's just nice to know things. It is. Yeah. May I say something? Of course. I Well, as you were describing The Simpsons, I was just thinking about uh, how interesting it is that The Simpsons drew on pop culture to make itself a show while also paving its own road into pop culture. So it's like a symbiotic, not symbiotic, uh, it's getting late. It's a ooh, it's like the infinity. It's like a rushing symbol. nesting doll. Okay. A, a rushing nesting doll? A Russian nesting doll. What are they rushing doll? to? Well, they're <laughs> rushing to watch the Simpsons, of they course. Are. No, an infinity symbol is is I think very accurate, Emily. So, it feeds off the very thing that it itself is. Yeah. It's true. It really is. Like uh the Simpsons was the place that I first discovered um the Planet of the Apes. Like I was aware that there was a show or a movie or a series of movies that featured people dressed up as apes. There was an episode that you might remember where Troy McClure, who was voiced by Phil Hartman, who was on news radio and also a member of the cast of SNL at one point, but he was voiced by Phil Hartman, Troy McClure, and he was pretending to, or he was like playing, he was in a play or a musical or something um, about planet, based on Planet of the Apes. And 
that is where I first became aware of Planet of the Apes. And that and so began my love for Planet of the Apes, which brings me to the song that I have chosen to play for this wonderful moment in pop culture. The moment where man dressed as ape and then threw a net over another man while riding a horse. We can't forget. So here is a song by Ben Queller, and it is called How It Should Be Shaw Shaw. Don't bother me when I'm watching Planet of the Apes on TV. That's right, that's how it should be. Shaw Shaw. Hey, this is Jennifer. Okay, so when I was in my early 20s, late teens, I had a hobby. It was writing for celebrities for autographs. And it turned into kind of a time capsule of like what I was all about then. Um, until my hobby came to an end with 9-11 because of anthrax scares, if you can recall those. You couldn't just send unsolicited envelopes to celebrities anymore. They didn't like that. So I would harness all my intuitive abilities and think, okay, what I see on TV is not really who this person is. Write to the person and not to the character they play. And then I would try and convince them that they absolutely just had to send me a picture. I mean, I'm their fan. And sometimes it worked. The first one, it wasn't a picture, but a real life account. John Sencio used to be on MTV and hosted the show in the morning. Test one, two. Oh, hey, I'm John Sencio and ah, this is the top 20 video countdown. And Which I'd watch every morning while I got ready for work. He actually called my house and talked at length with my mom and he said they'd film something really special in response to my letter and to watch the next day and I did and nothing ever like aired about it and I was so devastated. It's a mystery to this day. What happened to it? They did something. Where'd it go? Okay, first celeb. Jim Caviezel. It just says God bless. I had been really impressed with him in the movie Frequency. We've got to catch him in the act and you can make that happen, Dad. I'm not a cop. I'm a firefighter. We can do it together. Remember spirit and guts? Mike Nelson from Mystery Science Theater. I loved Mystery Science Theater. I feel a disturbance, as though a million monkeys cried out at once and then were silenced. It's unimaginably horrible. Yes, the earth is destroyed. Uh, no, worse. We got movies! No! Um, I had written to Joel Hodgson, Hodgson too, and I got this kind of cranky letter from someone who worked there, and they're like, he's no longer here. Then there was like a PS that said, and I can't tell you where he lives either. Like, I was a rabid fan that was gonna stalk him. Um, I did get to meet him later, much, much later, and he's very nice. Uh, John Henson, who hosted Talk Soup at the time. Yeah, wanna dive headlong into something you'll regret for years to come? Welcome to Talk Soup, I'm John Henson. And it says, like, not the wet noodle torture, but torture is spelled wrong. It's spelled T-O-R-C-H-E-R, and I don't know if that was on purpose or if he just can't spell. But I thought Talk Soup was hilarious. I watched it every evening it was on. I was so into John Henson. Sorry, Tennessee. Joe Bob Briggs from TNT's Monster Vision. 
because he would mock all the campy movies. I just thought he was kind of charming and kind of handsome in like a old-fashioned Roy Rogers kind of way. On the photo it says, to Jennifer there's an arrow pointing to his bolo tie and it says, I wore it for you. And then there was a note included on his personal stationery that said, thanks for the most entertaining letter of this century. And he actually read my letter on TV. I didn't know he read my letter on TV till I Googled my name and there it was. Guess what? Unbefore seen by me footage I found on YouTube from 1999. This is from Jennifer Woodside in Weatherly, California. Weaverville, California. To Joe Bob Briggs. Anyhow, you're the only guy on TV <laughs> that has made me... She starts out her letter, anyhow. All right, anyhow, you're the only guy on TV that has made me accept the bolo tie. I'm trying to get my hands on a Joe Bob Briggs autographed picture, indelible ink, and bolo tie and all in its resplendent glory. Sometimes I love the internet so much. Thank you, internet. I was... See, really confused when I got a, a envelope bearing a postmark from West London it's from afar and inside was an autographed photo of Jude Law um, because I had been really taken with him and his role in Gattaca. You can't quit on me now. I've put too much into this. What do you want me to do? Wheel in there and finish the job myself. There's one from Nate Richard. He played Harvey on Sabrina the Teenage Witch in the 90s. I want to give you something so we'll never forget this moment. A bracelet? It's beautiful! Read the inscription. Harvey digs Sabrina. Look on the back. 1236? That's what time it was when we first spoke. In the cafeteria on your first day at school. Oh, Harvey, it's perfect. No, you're perfect. It says, best wishes. And then on the envelope, he wrote, most clever and literate fan. And that just made my heart swell <laughs> because I thought he was so adorable. I even ended up getting my ear pierced like he had his because I thought it looked so cool. I have one from Enrico Polentoni. He was on the TV show, Just Shoot Me. You might recognize him now as Veronica Mars' father on that show. I don't remember anything about the television show now, but apparently I must have been really into it at the time. Oh my god, this is awful. She's gonna stop playing and I'm gonna have to say something. Okay, calm down. She just wants to hear it's great. Just tell her it's great. Say, Maya, it's great. It says, Jennifer, you're funny, your letter made me laugh, all the best. I have one from Jay Leno that just says thanks, his name, and a little cartoon smiley face with a big chin. A man reported someone broke into his home, somehow defeated the lock on his refrigerator, broke the refrigerator open, and stole his harmonica. <laughs> uh, I did get to see him live once, and it was a really enjoyable performance. Weird Al Yankovic, just signed. Um, Weird Al had the Weird Al show in 1997 for kids, only lasted a season, which I'm sad about. And he also did UHF, which I really liked. And that was back in 1989. It's a sad, depressing story about a pathetic coyote who spends every waking moment of his life in the futile pursuit of a sadistic roadrunner who mocks him and laughs at him as he's repeatedly crushed and maimed. Hope you enjoy it. And so I thought he was funny. I still do, and I've actually seen him perform live twice. 
So I wrote a lot of people that never responded. You kind of had to cast the nets wide in this case to see who was open to sending photos and who wasn't. I had a hard time picking a song. Uh, I was listening to a lot of grunge bands at that time, uh, but I decided on Tonight Tonight by the Smashing Pumpkins uh, because I still like that song. I managed not to burn myself out on it. And the music video is so fantastic that I still think about it from time to time even now. Well, that's it. That's all we got. Actually, we've got a lot more, but we simply do not have the time. We have time for me to just say this one last thing about pop culture. Jennifer, you said that you loved the music video for Tonight Tonight by Smashing Pumpkins, but would it interest you to know that a lot of the puppeteering and backdrop art on the music video was done by Wayne White, who was also one of the main puppeteers and art creators on Pee-wee's Playhouse. What? It's all connected. It's all connected. And then I bought a t-shirt with a Pee-wee's Playhouse picture on it. And that's how we show... That we care. That we care. And that's how we contribute to pop culture. We just repeat the same things. We're all... We're all just just recycling and adding to the uh, infinity symbol Mm -hmm. that is called pop culture. That's right. Yeah. Well, that's it for us. Stick around for World Music Journey with the delightful... The one, the only, Sophia Blanton. Thanks so much for listening. Yeah, and we're going to play you out with a show. or (laughs) Sorry. What? I was going to say we want (laughs) to welcome you back. Uh Uh-huh. Next Monday. Yes, we're going to start the welcoming back seven days early. Because that's how we do it. In true Dream Infringement style, don't even ask how long it takes for us to say goodbye. Because clearly, I mean, if anything is evident, it's that we take a long time saying goodbye. We're still saying goodbye. But while saying goodbye, we are also welcoming you back for the next show. That's right. Everything's an infinity. It is. It's all connected. It is all connected. So here is Welcome Back, the theme song from Welcome Back, Cotter by John Sebastian. Enjoy. Welcome back. Your dreams were your ticket out. Welcome back to that same old place that you laughed about.